Chapter number twenty one of the Friendship of Anne A Story by Ellen Douglas Deland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. She seated herself, got out her book, paper, and pencil, and began. A is about to build a house. He buys land which is taxed at thirty cents a foot which is at the rate of eight cents on the dollar. What then does he pay for five acres of land if the owner wishes to sell it at an advance of $3,000 above its taxed valuation? Was there ever anything so puzzling? Thirty cents a foot. It was thirty hours from twelve o'clock that day before her mother and Phil should reach Kingsbridge. At what hour then would they arrive? Oh no, it was not that. A is about to build a house. Who is A? And why on earth does he build a house on land so strangely sold? Who buys land by the foot? She determined to multiply thirty by eight. This accomplished, she surveyed the result. What should she do with the two hundred and forty? And was it dollars or feet? No, it was cents, two hundred and forty, just about that many miles perhaps from Kingsbridge to New York. Oh, it would not do to think of that. She would try the next example. It was about B. Perhaps B's affairs would be more interesting and more sensible than those of A. B is a horse-car conductor. He is obliged to punch a hole in a blue card for every fare, or in a red card for every transfer fare received. Fares are five cents, transfers seven. At the end of the day he should hand in $37.19. Of this seven-tenths were fares, the rest transfers. How many punches of each kind had he made? This was worse still. What a miserable life that of a horse-car conductor must be. Far worse than that of a pupil at Wickersham School, if, at the end of his day's labor, he must do a succession of such fearful problems as this. There was no sense in it, nor in any of these mathematical fictions. Sidney laid her head upon her arms which rested on the despised arithmetic. There was no use in trying any more. Who cares? What possible difference could it make? How many fares that dreadful conductor collected when Phil was coming to see Mrs. Braithwaite? And how impatient Mrs. Braithwaite must be to hear when he was coming, and she could not go to tell her because she was obliged to build houses and gather fares. She had reached a very low state of mind when she became conscious that someone had entered the room and was standing looking at her. She was aware of the steady gaze before she raised her head. She found that it was Bertha Macy. Are you doing your arithmetic? asked Bertha. Her face was paler than usual and her eyes were red. Any girl but Bertha Macy would have been suspected of having cried a good deal, but one never connected tears with Bertha. 
not that she was gay but because of a certain hardness that was habitual with her i'm trying to do it replied sydney in a depressed voice but i can't make head or tail of it it seems to me people in arithmetic do silly things i've given up two as hopeless now i am going to try the third it is a man named c who lays ties on a railroad there are so many ties to a mile and he does so many an hour he gets paid so much at the end of the day working at the rate of so many cents an hour how many ties had he laid and how much money did he make on each mile why i should be crazy if i were c her tone was so despairing that any one but bertha would have been amused i think i can help you said bertha if you will let me she added after an instant's pause i should be perfectly thankful if you would exclaimed sydney it is awfully good of you don't you want to be out no i don't care to go out to-day she did not say she had no one to walk with julia clark had gone with miss wickersham to see the doctor and none of the other girls had encouraged her to be with them dear me i wish i could go out i feel as if i must stay in for the rest of my life for i shall never be able to see through these horrors oh yes you will now this first one it isn't so bad as it looks you needn't think of that eight cents yet first find out how many feet there are in an acre see and for five acres well five times as much of course they worked in silence for a few minutes and then if he wanted three thousand more than the tax valuation you just add why bertha how easy is that really the answer but why do they ask it in such a queer way just to puzzle you they often set traps like that it is a very mean thing to do i think i never should have thought of this way of doing how clever you are this opinion was justified still further for bertha explained the others in a clear way and so on down the list she really proved herself to be an excellent teacher for her help consisted in setting forth the problem in clear language and then allowing sydney to work it out herself at the end of half an hour they had finished the task i do think you are very kind to help me said sydney gratefully i am ever and ever so much obliged to you you needn't be said bertha speaking in an abrupt way she did not look at sydney but was playing along with the charms on her watch chain i did you a lot of harm and i want to tell you i am sorry oh bertha you needn't say anything about that it is all over and things are coming out right at last well i am sorry i don't believe i ever should have told you so if it hadn't been for dolly fearing she has been nice to me but everybody else has has dropped me 
dolly said i ought to tell you of course i believed it was true what i said at anne's party and of course i didn't know that was your brother there i thought his last name was murray she did not mention the anonymous letters and sydney did not remind her of them although she thought of them they had really done more harm than the speech at the talbots but that too was all a thing of the past now i am not coming back here to school next year said bertha i am going to a day school in new york i like the girls better there i know some of them and i don't think they are as changeable as some of the girls here i won't mention any names but you must know the one i mean you have found her so too but really i am sorry i made any trouble for you i don't think you ever liked me when we were rooming together and you didn't like me either bertha you know you didn't well perhaps i didn't but i think you are very kind to help me with these examples i wanted to i really did perhaps we shall like each other better now perhaps so and then they parted slowly the hours wore away night came and passed tuesday dawned and it also passed it was two o'clock three four would the last hour never go it seemed longer than any but that too dragged itself away and now it was time to go to the station to meet the travellers miss wickersham had been told the whole story and was willing to make everything easy for sydney miss abby when she heard it felt that there had been some reason for sydney's lack of concentration on the subject of arithmetic the day before and was rather more lenient in the class on tuesday miss jenny came to sydney's room and kissed her my dear she whispered i am so glad for you it was not surprising that the girls loved miss jenny she seemed more like a human being than did her automatic and austere sisters and often she was actually guilty of calling the pupils by their first names and when she did this their names sounded to them like a caress she was at the front door when sydney started on her walk to the station i am glad it is such a bright afternoon she said kingsbridge looks attractive on a day like this and we want your mother and brother to like it here you will not be back until nine i hear well sydney dear i am glad you are going to have an outing you are a good girl and deserve it such a good composition as that was you handed in friday you will hear something nice tomorrow this was delightful news to receive for the compositions were intended for a special test this time no doubt she would get honorable mention from what miss jenny said and that would be pleasant to happen while her mother was there so it was with a light heart that sydney set forth she glanced in as she passed the braithwaite place but no one was to be seen she had already run in there once before that day and had found the little lady perfectly composed but evidently awaiting philip's coming with great impatience 
she asked that they should come there that evening as soon as they should have finished supper primitive hours were still kept in kingsbridge and dinner was eaten in the middle of the day mrs stuart had declined mrs tracy's invitation feeling that it would be better for every reason for them to stay at the hotel so rooms had been engaged and they were to go there from the train and now sydney was at the station and there was yet ten minutes before the train was due it was a fine evening in april the day had been mild and the sun was setting in a clear west with scarcely a cloud to catch its glory the usual collection of vehicles was drawn up at the station platform and one or two persons had gathered to take the train which would presently start for boston and the intervening places kingsbridge was at the end of the branch road and the train which was due now would run immediately back to the junction sydney watched and waited and presently the shriek of a locomotive took her at that they were coming actually coming and then the train drew up and in a moment one of the dear familiar figures alighted it was philip and now he would turn to help the little mother but no he came straight towards sydney and he was smiling at her so nothing alarming could have happened but where was her mother mother couldn't come he said amabel has measles she is not very sick but mother couldn't leave i know you're awfully disappointed and so am i but sydney i wanted to tell you right off that that everything looks brighter it's all owing to you so this is kingsbridge is it funny little place it seems after new york but phil isn't mother coming at all oh i am so disappointed and are you sure amabel isn't very sick scarcely sick at all has it gotten bad the way we had them mother didn't think of its being measles until this morning and there was no time to let you know in spite of her disappointment about mother it was delightful to see phil and to see him in these unusual good spirits the expression of his face was different and so was the tone of his voice surely the shadow had already begun to lift they were walking towards the hotel when mrs tracy drove up to the post office just as they passed it and stopped she greeted sydney who drew phil towards the carriage and introduced him and mother hasn't come she said sadly and you are alone said mrs tracy then you must certainly come home with me i shall take no refusal before they realized quite what was happening they were seated in mrs tracy's carriage and were spinning towards the big house on high street it was certainly much more agreeable to be in this pleasant home than at the dismal little hotel and mrs tracy understanding boys perfectly even one who was unlike most boys soon seemed to philip like an old friend her sons being absent there was no one at dinner but the two stuarts and herself philip was quiet 
but perfectly at ease. Neither his morbidness nor his recident nature had ever made him awkward or self-conscious. On the contrary, he appeared much older than his years, and he carried himself with the grave dignity of a grown man who had already encountered some of the sorrows of life. He was certainly very different from her own boys or their friends who came to stay there, jolly, rollicking fellows who were always ready for some kind of fun and who made the house ring with laughter and gaiety. But Mrs. Tracy liked him and felt a certain respect for him. "'I am so glad I arrived just in time to catch you,' she said, when they rose from the table." It would have been forlorn for you and Sydney to be at the hotel tonight without your mother, and, as for me, I should have been entirely alone here, so you have done me a kindness by coming. I hope you will stay several days with me. Now, don't say you cannot. You must stay over tomorrow night anyway, and then we can discuss your later plans." Mrs. Braithwaite will want to see you again, so you certainly cannot leave tomorrow. It is time for you to go there now, for it will not do to keep her waiting. No doubt she is sadly impatient to see you. Sydney, would you rather drive or walk? Thomas can take you there if you wish. The horses don't get half enough exercise. But they preferred to walk. It was a fine moonlight night, and walking would be a pleasure. It was decided that Sydney should not return to Mrs. Tracy's, as it would be time to go back to the school when their call was over. Mrs. Tracy drew her aside. "'I want to persuade your brother to stay over at least tomorrow night,' she whispered. "'We'll have Anne and some of the others to supper.' "'Oh!' I should like to have him meet Anne. Of course, now make him stay. And then the brother and sister set forth. The moon was almost full. A mist hung over the valley, but one could see the winding river and the outlines of the hills beyond. Near at hand, the trees threw black shadows across the road, while the white houses of Kingsbridge shone out in keen relief. Neither Philip nor Sidney spoke as they walked quickly along High Street and then followed the moor country, like road which lay past Braithwaite Hall and the Wickersham School. Presently they turned in between the old stone gate posts and followed the curving avenue which led to the house. Sidney remembered the other moonlight night when she had gone on the quest commanded by the KQC. What an odd thing that was to do, and how had she ever had the temetry to enter another person's house in that manner? This time there were lights in many parts of the house. Evidently it had been illuminated in their honor, for never before had there been so many gleaming windows. They rang the bell, and almost immediately the door was opened by Eliza. "'Walk upstairs, if you please,' she said. "'The mistress is waiting for you.' To Sidney's keen ear her voice sounded more friendly than usual. She glanced at Phil as they stood for a moment 
in the dimly lighted hall while they removed their wraps his face had grown very pale and his hands were shaking sydney he whispered i don't feel as if i could see her i did it it was all my fault she can't forgive me it is impossible go right up phil said sydney calmly she was frightened however suppose phil should give out at the last minute and really refuse to go upstairs it would not be surprising she longed for her mother's presence more than ever no i cannot go up said phil again he actually began to put on the overcoat which he had just taken off phil this is nonsense said sydney drawing the coat away from him mrs braithwaite is waiting to see you you owe it to her it would be very selfish to run away now as well as cowardly remember she is old and blind and she has her heart set on having you come to her come right up don't wait a minute she put her hand in his arm and tried to pull him towards the stairs he yielded at last and they went up to the next floor sydney leading him he seemed scarcely able to see they walked to the door of the sitting-room and she knocked softly come said a voice within and she opened the door and then thrust philip in before her and closed it again a sudden thought told her it would be easier for him to enter alone and philip left alone regained his composure in an instant for what he saw banished his hesitation and renewed his courage the room as usual was brilliantly lighted standing at one end her face turned towards him and so full of feeling that even the sightless eyes were expressive was the little lady she was so very small and slight and fragile that in figure she was like a girl her face was tender with anticipation and with the memory of her grandson her sorrows had marked it but her sweet spirit had turned the sorrow lines into those of a deep rare beauty is that phil at last she said my boy i've waited for you so long you were brace's dearest friend the last one who was with him i am glad you have come to me after all these years a little later sydney coming in quietly found them sitting hand in hand and phil was telling brace's grandmother of all that they used to do together in the old days on the shores of chesapeake bay sydney had never seen either face the old or the young so happy of a truth the shadow had lifted end of chapter twenty one recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c